This is internationally best-selling indie author, Michael Brent Collings, inviting you to join me at bestsellerlife.com DCR to unlock my tips, tricks, and hacks for a successful writing career. So go to bestsellerlife.com DCR and kickstart your writing adventure today. Hey, Dungeon Crawler. Thanks for tuning in to our episode this week. But guess what? Did you know there's even more that you could be listening to? If you head over to our Patreon, you can get access to behind-the-scenes content, hearing more of the discussion before and after the show, and even comments in the middle that didn't make it into the final cut. Thank you so much for your support, and keep being great. This is Daniel. And this is Krebs. This is Alton. And I am Matai. And you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, the greatest geek podcast out there. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are here together probably for the first time in a really long time. That means we're not recording over the internet, no. over Zoom. We are looking yeah. at each other's eyeballs. All four of us around a table. Yes. This is a beautiful moment. I don't know if this room can handle this much handsome all in one place. <laughs> well. I mean, the last time we did this, it was like a rad dome. That's actually right. Yeah. yeah. But was it all four? It was just no, three it was just of us. No, it was just the three still? of us. It was before Matthew joined. Before I came on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last yeah. time we did this was Fanex last year. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Well, we but, will do another Rad Dome soon, but tonight we've got a game to talk about. Yes. Oh, heck yeah. So we're going to be talking about the game Eclipse, uh, which Matthew had, and we got together, we played it. You know, I'm, I'll just throw it out now. I lost. I lost horribly. That's okay because people kept stealing wormholes and wouldn't let me use them. Uh, <laughs> yes, I have to have an excuse. <laughs> uh, I'm a redheaded stepchild. I uh, I was cooking up about five different jokes in my head, and none of them feel appropriate for this particular podcast. That's, so. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So uh, all of them were eclipsed. Yes, they were. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the game. Uh, I'm going to let Matthew run with this because this is his game. And we can definitely uh, talk more about this and our experience playing the game. So, yeah, I really, it was really fun having everybody come over to, to my house. We met in person, did this tabletop style. I uh, love talking about it here on the show tonight. So the the Eclipse game, uh, we played Second Dawn of the Galaxy, or Second Dawn for the Galaxy. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Eclipse, Eclipse is a space-themed 4X game. And what that means is you explore the galaxy, you expand your influence or control of your civilization in that galaxy, you exploit the resources of the different planets and the areas you control, and you exterminate your neighbors and any other aliens you come across. Uh, so this game, actually two editions of this game that you'll find out there when you're looking. Uh, first edition came out in 2011, and then in 2020, they did a Kickstarter uh, for second edition, and that's the version that uh, that we played. Uh, and there were a lot of enhancements to second edition that make it definitely worth your while. We'll talk about that a little later in the episode. Uh, I want to mention the game designer because he definitely deserves some credit for making a great game. Hope I pronounced this right. Tuko Takokalio from Finland uh, designed uh, this game. And uh, it, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed it. I was playing first edition up until we got all the guys together. That was my first game doing second edition. And I, oh man, mm. love it even more. Now, really importantly, even though it was kickstarted for this second mm -hmm. edition in 2020, they have continued to print the game. There were a limited number of Kickstarter exclusive things, mostly upgrades to the game. So you're not missing any content. There have been a number of expansions that have come out as well, but uh, definitely if you see a copy, get it. They are hard to get it, get your hands on. Amen. And as I, as I understand it, 
all the Kickstarter extras are now available on the company's website. I think I saw all of the, them there available separately. I think there was like technically one or two Kickstarter exclusives that were very minor things, but yeah, I'd have to double check on all of that though. You probably know better than I do. So yeah, you, you wouldn't be missing anything picking this up and getting the uh, extra expansions. And they're not even really expansions so much, but there are some expansions coming out later this year and the next. There's two new species that mm-hmm. they're going to be um, throwing out there. Four new species in two different packages that are coming up soon. But let's talk about the game first and mm-hmm. why you should buy it. So then you would want to get the expansions. Well, now you've just made a pretty big assumption there. Dan, knowing how difficult of a time that you had, did you enjoy the game? I did. I I mean, I I love playing games uh, with friends. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. I enjoy Mm -hmm. playing. Uh, I just threw that out there just to be facetious. But, um, (laughs) you know, it is fun because there are some times when, you know, the dice are going your way or movement or whatever is just going your way and you get to obliterate the board. Uh, hmm. More often than not, that's probably never going to ha- happen if we're playing against Alton, unless all of us <laughs> gang up on him. Um, but the fact is, you know, it, it is a game of luck. It, you know, it, there is some strategy that goes with that that helps that, but it's all about having fun. You know, hmm. and that's what I really enjoyed, despite the fact that I was stuck in my little place. I mean, you got stuck too. Yeah. But you were just amassing this army, and you knew how to move the pieces and manipulate things in a way that when you finally came out of your little pocket of space, you just started obliterating everything. Um, yeah, turtles you know, and hurdles. Yeah, you know, and and for me, I was really struggling to try to get those resources so that I could build up, and I wasn't paying attention close enough to things that were happening so that I could build up in a better way. But now knowing what I do, if we played again, I think it would be a different outcome. And that's the great thing about these games is even though you play it one, two, four, twenty 20 times, it's a completely different game every time. And there's mm-hmm. definitely replayability no matter who you're playing against. So before we jump ahead to my opinion, Josh, what do you think? Uh, I super duper enjoyed the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the mechanics, and I think we'll drill down into them in a little bit. Yeah. But I found the uh, resource management aspect, the conflict aspect, and the fact that the game is time-gated in uh, the sense that you have a finite set of rounds before the game even starts. Mm-hmm. All of that, I think, lent itself to a sense of urgency that was excellent for the feel of the game. I did not win at all. Uh, I I was uh, I was with Dan as a redheaded stepchild also. <laughs> I uh, and you know what I loved every second of it. Like I I lost and I loved it. Yeah, and that that's a perfect segue. Like longtime viewers of the show know that my favorite game of all time is Twilight Imperium. Yes, yes, and, and it it just yeah. is a great game. It's another big four X space opera game. Yes, um, a lot of similar design cues. Um, Eclipse is my second favorite, and it's very, very close. I have to be honest. Like, there's this part of me that's like, you know, if I just go away for a weekend, I could figure out a way to combine these two games and have a great time with it. It would be either really good or really awful, or I would be the only one who enjoyed it. But a couple of the things in Eclipse that I really enjoy, one of them is the ships, right? Mm -hmm. So in Twilight Imperium, you've got 24 different factions available, and the only thing that really differentiates them is all these little cardboard chits. And it's not really useful and helpful in any way, so a lot of players have been going and like 3D printing their own ship models to be able to handle each faction in a unique way. 
I did the opposite thing. I laser cut a whole bunch of pieces so that instead of having 24 different factions, I just had pieces that matched the colors to make it a lot easier. But in Eclipse, they were smart and they combined the idea of, okay, there's a player color. There's a faction on the backside of the human side that is unique to that color, which makes it very easy to track what's going on and what's happening there. One of the other big things that I really, 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 really love about Eclipse that I wish Twilight Imperium had, third edition Twilight Imperium kind of had it, is a really solid tech tree. Like, making technologies matter. Um, technology in Twilight Imperium 4th edition matters a lot, but the only thing that's really gating your access to it is your strategy cards. Whereas in this, technology is a core component of the game, and it isn't just a broad species thing. You're upgrading your ships individually, you're giving yourself bonus resources, you're doing all kinds of crazy things, and what technologies are available at a given time is being refreshed every single round, new things being drawn out of a bag, so there's no guarantee that everyone is going to have access to every technology which adds its own degree of risk, and I really love it, which brings me to the final point. This is not space risk. No, Anybody who tries to play a 4X game like Risk is going to have an awful, awful, awful time. Um, but where Twilight Imperium focuses on uh, critical public and private objectives to be able to score victory points, this scores points in a very different way through possession, through technology trees, and through good resource management. I love it, but uh, it also creates um, a really interesting dynamic where you can play a solitaire game. And even if you have bad tiles turn up or you have bad luck on a couple of things, if you roll with your punches, there's almost always something you can do. It doesn't guarantee a victory, but you can start to set yourself up for potential opportunities down the road. It's just fun. You know, one of the things that I uh, liked about this game was the balance between strategy and luck. Mm-hmm. There are three different random mechanisms in this game. You've got your standard dice. Everybody knows how dice add randomness. But you mentioned no- another part. There's a couple of things in there, a couple of occasions where you're drawing tiles out of a bag. And so you've actually got this physical bag you could shape and or shake and uh, and mix up and pull something out. And you get a pretty random draw from that. The other thing was the bane of Daniel's existence. Uh, when you're drawing the uh, hexagon tiles for the next sector of the galaxy that you're heading to, uh, those are randomized. Those are shuffled. And you don't always get the same sectors for every game. Mm-hmm. And so you pull one out and it may be resource rich. Mm-hmm. It may be empty nothing's there. It may have uh, one of the ancient aliens guarding some uh, ancient technology mm-hmm. that could be of advantage to you, but only if you can defeat their, their ships. Mm-hmm. So, and you don't, you don't know what you're going to get until you draw it. Well, not only that, those tiles also had uh, little symbols on them that allowed you to move to the next tile. Mm-hmm. And if those were missing, you couldn't go. Yes. Yep. Yeah, you were kind of stuck in this sector. Once you place the tiles, you're kind of dictating the paths that are possible yeah. through that galaxy. Yeah. And so that actually dictated part of my strategy. Yeah. I turned up a few tiles early on in, in the inner ring that were both resource poor and didn't connect me to the rest of the galaxy. So at that point, I just started going straight out away from the table as far as I could, creating a long tail just to protect it, whatever resources I could turn mm-hmm. up. And that ended up paying off in the late game. But Matt, like what were the critical things that you were sitting down as you were preparing to teach us how to play that like, 
Eclipse on the surface is a very, very big game. There are a lot of things that you want to communicate up front, but what were some of the things that drew you to teaching this game to somebody? First thing I want to say that I really loved about this game and the reason why I'm giving lots of kudos to the designer um, is that there are symbols on all the pieces and all the board that explain the rules. So Mm -hmm. once you understand, once you've been told the rules or once you understand how to read the symbols, then the rules are forever right in front of you. So I think that really lowers the bar of entry for new players. Probably the most difficult challenge is talking about the actions you can take on your turn because mm-hmm. you can do as many actions as you can afford. These are going to end up costing you resources at the end of your turn. And that's part of your strategy. You've got uh, basically six actions you can do any number of times in any combination on your turn. That's probably the part that took the most to explain, but the rest of the game is pretty simple and straightforward. There's a combat and as long as soon as you explain how you do space combat, That's easy. You go on. And then there's how you spend your resources, how you earn your resources, how you colonize these planets. Those are all very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that I would suggest for anybody who picks up this game and wants to teach their friends, there are several really good videos out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, if you take some time watching them, you can kind of glean from it the best of what each of these people do and how they explain things. And that would be the last piece of advice that I'd share with new players on this. Your first game expect that you're not going to play it right. But you know what? It's okay. It was your first time through. The point of it is to have fun, to learn what you can. You'll pick up the rest later. And know that it's going to take a little bit of time. The first first game is probably going to be a lot longer than your next set of games. And, And that's exactly where I was going. Like Eclipse on the Shelf looks like a huge imposing game. Yeah. The fact is, is the reason the box is so big is because they've actually taken the time to make good pieces. They yes. partnered with, I think it was X trays to put game toge- trays, game trays mm-hmm. to put together inserts and cases yeah. for everything. So it's all there. And the very first game is going to take you longer. Mm-hmm. But after you've played it once, its estimate of a half hour per player is actually pretty good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, definitely after the first couple of rounds, we kind of got into our groove and it started moving faster. Yeah. yeah. So Josh and Dan, as people learning it for the first time, what are the things that you would want to communicate out to people who are interested in learning this game? That's a good question. Uh, so play it with someone who's played it before, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have to be the the originator of bringing this into your game crew, then Matai's suggestion of watching online videos is going to be your person who played it before. Mm-hmm. Second, I would say Alton's made some excellent points about how this game has the look and the feel of an epic board game in terms of scope. It's actually not as big as it looks. It's sort of the inverse of the TARDIS. It's smaller on the inside. <laughs> um, this... This game is one of those uh, one of those titles that while it has quite the breadth of mechanics, the mechanics are not hard to understand individually. What's difficult is finding the right strategy in the moment and remember that this game is dynamic. There's no such thing as the silver bullet strategy. Yeah. It's not there's no way to just sit down and win every single time mm-hmm. and I love it. Dan? Yeah. For you. No, great points. Um I mean the biggest thing is at least for me, you know, I like jumping in. I like playing it. You know, you can tell me the rules and I, I understand them, 
But where I really learn is by doing it. And there's a lot of people that that's how they learn. So if you're one of those type of people, just jump in. Watch a few videos. You're going to be able to learn the basics of it and dive in. You're going to make some mistakes early on. We all do. And mm. just have fun. Enjoy it. Um, but beyond that, uh, one of the, the things I would suggest is when it's not your turn, start planning for your turn. So that when it comes around... Everyone's not waiting for you. And if everyone is doing that, by the time it hits your turn, I mean, that's going to speed up gameplay. Um, definitely dive into a fight early on. I shied away from that for a while, which I shouldn't have. And I think that kind of crippled me a little bit. Try it. Attack. And if you fail, that's okay. It's not a failure. You learn something. You know how to tweak yourself a little bit more and then go after it again. So a notable, a notable asterisk, I will say. And Matt can definitely interrupt if he disagrees here. <laughs> In the early game, yes, fight NPCs. Yeah. If you try to fight other players in the early game, oh, yeah. you will mess yourself up. Yeah, no, yes. that's like yeah. regardless. That's of what your I was strategy. meaning. Absolutely. The, the ancients. So I want to uh, take a moment. I kind of feel like we've been talking about it, and people that are familiar with the game or have at least seen it probably know what we're talking about. But anybody, but anybody who has never heard of Eclipse before, um, let me give him a little bit more information here. Uh, I mentioned that we're all you're, you're playing a civilization. And there are six different factions of Terrans, the humans, and or you can be one of six alien species. And each of these aliens have different advantages and weaknesses, and all the Terrans are the are the same. And they're just like in D&D, the human is the pretty well-rounded character, not particularly specialized, but they can do a little bit of everything, which is really good for a flexible strategy. Uh, and basically what you're doing is you're trying to grow your civilization. You're trying to fight off people like Alton is going to come in and, and swallow you up. Everybody's <laughs> picking on me. I did nothing for the majority of the game. Then everybody started picking fights with each other and I just took enough. Just like the win. Gorn. They just kind of float out in, in I did space. nothing for the whole and game then and then won. I won. That's right. That's uh, This is how Alton explains everything. I was just really quiet and then I dominated. <laughs> I just I was just sitting back minding my own business and I destroyed your kingdom. Listen, I my strategy this one. makes its own noise. I just remember this turn where he looked to me and he goes, I'm truly sorry. And that's when I knew it was over. It was just going to. It's like when your DM smiles. It's, well, it's literally that. And, and here's the thing. It, like in the game itself, though, like I thought for sure I was just boned. Like I'd been stuck in this corner. I only had one connection point to the rest of the galaxy and it was straight through your home world. So like it was well fortified. And then I watched as two different players overextended themselves within the same turn. And it was like, okay. So I sat and I did quick maths <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if I take these planets, that'll reduce his score by this amount and it'll increase my score by this amount. And I think as long as I can win the combats, it'll work. The two players were brothers. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't and, me because you two were in between me and him. <laughs> and, and that was the point to which I turned and was just like, I, I ha like I have to now m I, I am a very diplomatic player. I like to keep my promises. I tend to avoid conflict unless it's for the meme or if the, for the win. But that was one of those moments where it was like, I don't have a guaranteed victory here, but this is my only shot at right. making it happen. So I had to try. And that's why I sent every ship that I own in, 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 after Matthew. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I went still and lost to fight just to fight. And I still lost because like, I'm going to win no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> and towards the end of the game, you get the last couple of rounds. It's like, why am I holding back? 
I've only got two more rounds to go here. One more round to go. This is all in kind of a thing. So what, what, things you can do in this game, uh, exploring is a big part of it. Um, Krebs had mentioned how the map is randomly generated. The, you, you take a series of hex tiles and you're actually building out the galaxy as you go. Everything is unknown until you go explore that sector. And it's totally random. And it definitely affects your strategy and everybody else on the board as well. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would add to that, and it's something that I realized too late, is you run out of tiles. So if you're not exploring enough, you literally get yourself stuck because I mean that's kind of what happened with me is we ran out of tiles. I couldn't explore anymore. I couldn't find another way out except for through you. Um <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so that was the problem because one, I didn't take out those, you know, the, the ancients early enough and I didn't explore enough. And so I kind of got stuck in that area and so went the only way to get out of that was to go through you, you know. Alton kept exploring. So he kept expanding his resources and kept going out and I really wish I would have used that kind of a mentality. Hey DCR fans, do you ever dream of quitting your job to become a successful writer? This is internationally best-selling indie author and friend of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, Michael Brent Collings, inviting you to join me at bestsellerlife.com DCR to unlock my tips, tricks, and hacks for a successful writing career. A portion of every sale at bestsellerlife.com DCR goes to support Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And even better, another portion goes to charity. So go to bestsellerlife.com DCR and kickstart your writing adventure today. Crawlers, we have an incredible opportunity to do some good. In celebration of the 40th anniversary of Kroll, we are holding the Rultimate Charity Event. On July 29th, we will be gathering at the Jordan Commons Megaplex in Sandy to gawk at some collectibles, watch the film as a community, and raise some much-needed funds for Primary Children's Hospital in Utah. For more details, keep an eye on our socials or visit DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Uh, technology definitely plays a big role in this game. That's mm-hmm. another one of the things you can do is that you get to research these technologies and it enhances your civilization. It'll mm-hmm. either give abilities to your race or it will um, give you options that you can use to upgrade your ships when they go out. Uh, so that was a, a big part of it that I uh, that I really enjoyed. And so it's important that you understand what each of the technologies do. And me coming from first edition into the second edition, um, they introduce a new class of technologies. These are rare technologies um, that aren't part of the, the, the main categories. And I didn't know what they did. They were brand new to me. Hmm. And knowing what those do, they add an, a whole new degree. Dimension. Yeah, a new, new a new dimension to it because copyright the standard <laughs> the standard te- <laughs> the standard technologies you can pick up and you can fit into your strategy because you know they're going to be there. But these rare technologies are kind of like I don't want to say wild cards or they they can't be anything, but they're um, they're unexpected things that pop up and can completely enable or cripple what you were trying to do. Hmm. So we've talked about exploring, we've talked about developing technologies, um, and we all and, and Daniel briefly mentioned this. The resource management is a big part of this game. There are yes. three different types of resources: yeah. uh, money, materials, which you use to build things with, and science, which allows you to research new technologies. The important part of exploring is each world you colonize can generate a certain amount of each of those resources. And so if you aren't colonizing and you aren't expanding, you aren't generating any resources. And that becomes really important uh, in this. And again, there's also combat. Um, There's 
One of the things is at the end of the round, you have to pay money for the civilization upkeep, uh, uh, the upkeep costs of everything, all the planets that you control. And uh, one of the improvements over uh, second edition or first edition, one of the weapon types is a missile. And missiles fire first, and they only fire once at the beginning of the game. And so, uh, combat at the beginning of combat. Beginning of the combat. Excuse me, you're right. Um, and so, what some people would do is they would just load up missile boats with had an, an insane number of missiles, but they couldn't do anything else in the combat. But they would come into the combat, they'd fire off all their missiles and just obliterate everybody. Well, in second edition, each of those missiles now costs a certain amount of energy, mm-hmm. and so you can't load up your ship with all of this unless you can provide all the energy for it so now there's a cost to doing that and that definitely decreased the munchkin factor of uh of the game so that was one of the subtle improvements that uh um that uh, alton was talking about another improvement i want to talk about are these uh are the is the storage solution yes bless you bless you (laughs) whoever on the design team said please let's have a storage solution ready to go Oh, it's so good. I have exactly one gripe, which I'll get to in a minute. But, uh, and if you're watching the video at home. Yeah, so here's, here's you can some. See Hold some. this up to that camera. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I am a sucker for really good game pieces, and I'm a sucker for really good storage design. And this game kind of hits it on the money for both. They have minis for the ships and for the uh, NPCs. They have uh, an excellently well-made... Um, uh, resource tracking system uh, and, uh, and and it's very simple in its implementation but I find beauty in simplicity however when you are um, when you you get a, you get a tray that is for your character set you have everything you need to play your character yeah. or your mm-hmm. race in this game there is a neutral tray that are all the shared components across the game and then of course there's the technology tray and the associated marketplace tray all and then all these things pack up nicely such that uh you can store them cleanly in the game i am a sucker for really well-designed game pieces and storage solutions well, the other the other thing that was really nice for combat is uh everything was color-coded the yes. type of weapons you used or dice you rolled for said weapons were color-coded you know you had red and blue and orange and yellow Give me those visual cues. Yeah. So you could tell by at a glance, oh, this is what I need to roll to attack this round. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was playing several uh, games of first edition before I got uh, second edition, thanks to Alton. And um, I timed myself. It took me 20 minutes to set up a two-player game. Just mm-hmm. the setup. With second edition, because every player has got their own tray and everything else comes out of the the box uh, very easily, I think I've got it down to a little over five minutes right now, which I think is a reasonable amount for uh, for a game, especially this kind of game. Uh, Because there are so many different things you can do, it can be quite elaborate, and it it doesn't have to be. And I think they did a fantastic job of of simplifying the setup um, for, for this game. Yeah, strong, strong, strong agree. And for those of you who prefer portrait to landscape, the uh, resource tracker on your uh, player box can be flipped over Mm -hmm. and there's a little cardboard insert that it looks beautiful and you can flip it over and then all of a sudden you're playing in in portrait. If you've got a space consideration or if you just have a personal preference for one or the other, it's a beautiful implementation. 
let's talk about space for a second. While each of these components themselves is pretty small, you are going to need some table space to play mm -hmm. this on. Um, this is a small card table, like the one that we're using right now in the broadcast, which you cannot see if you're just listening to the podcast. Or not a would, member of the Patreon. <laughs> you, uh, is not sufficient for playing this game. Uh, I've got a pretty good sized dining room table, and it's about the right size. In fact, we have we have room to spare on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so just keep that in mind. When you lay this game out, you're going to need to have some room. And if you don't have a particularly large table, I recommend setting up a couple of TV trays or having an end table nearby uh, that you can put your, your player uh, trays or some of the game trays on. And I haven't checked to be absolutely certain, but having handled the components many, many, many times, I'm pretty darn sure that the hex tiles are the exact same size as Twilight Imperium, yes, or at least are. close enough that you can get a Twilight Imperium mat. Yes. Put it down. That'll give you a good idea of the base starting footprint that you need. I still recommend adding an additional eight inches outside of that mat just to be safe. There are situations where, like I said, the map can spiral off into weird directions all the way to the edge of the table and everybody needs a little bit of space to handle their resources. Like, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's still a great, like, we're going to sit down for an afternoon, bring out the Doritos and Mountain Dew and just be together for a while game. The big advantage is, is especially if you are playing with six players or once you get the expansions and can go larger, it's a coin flip for me as to whether to say I recommend Eclipse over Twilight Imperium. The reason being that with Twilight Imperium, you know that you've got a commitment and it doesn't necessarily scale linearly with the number of players. But Eclipse scales really straightforward. If everybody knows how to play, you really aren't going to take more than three and a half hours, which feels like a solid amount of time to be able to enjoy together it's a little bit longer it's a little bit crunchier and it can go longer especially if you've got players debating with each other and things like that but if everybody's shown up to have a good time you can play through it pretty well and just to clarify when he says three and a half i think you're referring to a six player game right? yes. yes yeah that's like three and a half hours set up six players a little bit of time to negotiate and crunch in a bathroom break and if everybody really knows what they're doing you can crank through the game super super quick yeah and you'll leave with like one third fewer friendships. False. <laughs> Wait a minute. The quality of your friends will improve is the way that, that I like. That makes zero oh, yeah. sense. <laughs> I lost. That means that I would be out. No, I'm still here. <laughs> and you're all around the table with me. We're voting you off the planet. Sorry. Oh, no. Aww. No, no, I'm keeping him around. I got to win sometime. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I don't know how to take that one. <laughs> it's okay. You're the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> so, that is true i've been saying that the whole episode so hey so well, yay I, for me as i mentioned this game is uh from a game maker in finland mm -hmm. and uh their neighbor sweden just elected a new president did you guys see those headlines oh no no no, no i didn't see that yeah they just the in fact they elected the ceo of ikea hmm. and and he's he's still assembling his cabinet <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic actually that was a really good one <sighs> Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I got to give props where props are due. Wow. My head was spinning. I'm like, where's he going with this? Where's he going with this? I know. And I didn't expect it. It's a wonderful thing. So Eclipse, beautiful, beautiful game. Definitely check it out if you can. If you see a copy in your local game store that is reasonably priced, please pick it up. It is worth it. It is wonderful. And even though they continue to reprint them, all of the reprints were happening over the course of the last three years, which means that inevitably everything got interrupted. And because this is a component heavy game, 
That has meant that the number of copies on the market are relatively limited. They've gotten a lot of stuff unstuck, but now's your time if you can find it to get in it. I don't think we should do a scale of one to 10, but thumbs up or thumbs down. Matt, do you recommend? Absolutely. Thumbs up. Um, And just want to second what you said, Elton. This is actually a pretty expensive game. So if you can find it and it's in your budget, you're getting a deal. Yeah. Krebs. Uh, thumb and a half. It has an, it has an expensive, uh, learning curve. So a slight barrier to entry, but there are people and tools out there to help overcome that. Once you overcome that, it's a stellar game. No pun. Yeah. And definitely like we were saying earlier, lean into the visual cues. Yes. Once you unlock that code, the whole thing just unfolds itself. Oh yeah. Dan, thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, thumbs up. This was a great game. Uh, the thing that I really enjoy about it is you can sit down every game and it's a different game. Yeah, there is replay value here, and it you could even play with the same group of people, and it's still not going to be the same game. And it, it's a fun game; it really is. It's it's fun to be able to sit down with a, a group of your friends or family or whoever it is you're playing with, and just try to duke it out in space and see if you can be the last man standing. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's a fun game. So definitely thumbs up. Go uh, find a copy of it. Uh, if you can't find a copy of it, see if one of your friends has a copy and sit down and play it. It's lots of fun. We had tons of fun playing that. You know, Yes, some of us joked that we were stuck in the middle of nowhere, but that's okay. We were having fun and probably eating way too much sugar, but that's, <laughs> that's another story. So pick up a copy, try it out, as well as you know, tw- uh, the other games we referenced. You know, Twilight Imperium is a great game, too. Oh, we um, just it, heard words come out of Dan's mouth. It is a great game. I I have enjoyed playing it. I, again, still have never won it, but it's still fun to play. And the whole point is not about winning or losing. It's about sitting at the table, playing with your friends or family. And next week, we are super excited to talk about something because there was a trailer that dropped recently. Babylon 5? Oh. Some of us are fans. Some of us have never seen it before. But if you want to hear what we have to say about it, make sure to tune in next week. We're super excited to share this with you. All right. With that said, we're out of here. And Dungeon Crawlers, tell your story, whatever may come. And my fellow comrades of the Terran Directorate, let your geek flag fly over this galactic civilization forever. So say we all. And whether you think you have a chance at winning this game or you're playing across the table from Alton, always remember to be epic. And don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us.